Good. C3 Fort Worth welcome as we welcome Aaron, Pastor Aaron Snow up to the stage. Come on. Let him hear it. Y'all are amazing. I love being in another southern part of the nation where y'all fits with everything we do. How y'all doing? I was uh, talking to uh, my guys back home the other day, and uh, our team is uh, done with church already. Uh, give it up for your band. How incredible are these guys, your musicians, Kevin and the team, and just incredible touch of heaven and anointing. You guys aren't going like away, are you? You're not like one of those bands. Like go to the green room and wait for me to call you back? No, just bathroom break. Bathroom break. Okay, cool. Uh, I didn't mean to call them out. Did I call them out? Okay. It's all good. Y'all better come back now, you hear? Uh, what was I going to say? I'm already distracted. Hey, yeah, exactly. Y'all, y'all, y'all are awesome. It is so incredibly uh, awesome to be here. Uh, it is a privilege and an honor. Uh, Brandon, uh, I am, uh, I'm the crier in my family, so I can relate. Katie always talks, and we have to talk about us, because otherwise I'm just tears. Uh, and so uh, I might even cry today, to be quite honest with you. I'll just tell you I'm emotional, and I'm a passionate communicator, uh, because Jesus did something in my life that I didn't deserve, I didn't ask for, I absolutely 100% believe that it's his grace is the only reason I'm standing before you today, and so I'm just emotional about that, because Jesus is awesome. I also can tell you that your pastors are awesome. He kind of shared with you uh, a little bit, and, and, and even last, uh, yesterday we got to spend some time with your lead team about our story, and can I just tell you, it's always good to have friends that will walk through the valleys with you and celebrate on the mountaintops with you. Uh, Pastor Brandon and Meredith have been that kind of friend to us time and time again, and I consider it an honor and a privilege to be in this day and in this season pioneering churches in our cities together. We are living in the greatest days ever. Let me say that again. We are literally living in the greatest days ever. Today is the greatest day of your life. Tomorrow will be the greatest day of your life. The next day will be the greatest day of your life. Why? Because you are breathing. But also because you have a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And as long as there's air in your lungs, God put that air for a specific reason and purpose. And can I just encourage you this morning that each of you by name have a unique, specific purpose and call and mandate from heaven that God wants you to fulfill. And that's what we're doing. We're just fulfilling it. And it is only by his grace that I get to do that. It's an honor to do what I get to do and to be a pastor and to lead people. But I will just tell you this, much like Brandon and Meredith, uh, I am not any better or any more special than you. I'm just a man with a call of God in my life and being obedient to that call. And I'm, I, I am uh, blessed to have an, a beautiful wife. This is my incredible wife, Pastor Katie. Would you stand, babe, and just give people, give the people a wave. Uh, I said to the team yesterday, I definitely had to pay to level up in the leagues uh, to keep her by my side. I'm actually running out of uh, money to keep her in this league. So if you guys would take up an offering for me just to pay off the debt that I am in to keep her by my side. She is amazing. She is the queen of our house. Uh, we don't play when it comes to our house. We have the Igloo Kingdom. That is our house. Uh, and she is the queen. And these are our princes. Uh, this is London, our oldest. London Xander, London Maddox, Snow. See, I even get my son's name wrong. This is London Max. Stand up, London, and say hello to everybody. Yeah, stand up, man. Just wave to the people. I always have to tell them when I'm going to talk about them, but I never tell them when I'm going to get them to stand up. And this is our youngest son. This is Lincoln Xander Snow, the baller. 
And uh, they are our pride and joy, and, uh, and I am uh, blessed to be a husband and a father. Uh, and enough about that. Let me, let me just encourage you this morning. Can I do that? I just wanted to say hello to, to, the, to Mama Cole. Paul and Judy Cole, I know you guys know them well. Uh, Pastor Katie and I have been blessed by them more ways than we could ever tell them or say to them. They are just an absolute uh, pillar in the kingdom of God. And uh, it is because of these types of people, pioneers, that make way for us to come behind them and to continue to do what they have set in a clear path for us to do and have just done it with such grace and humility and passion and commitment and love. And so you are just so fortunate to have them sitting in this auditorium this morning. Uh, and I know Paul's in New York, I think. Pastor Paul's in New York preaching and uh, moving in his gifts. Uh, but just such a privilege. It's always good to see you. You're so beautiful. I want to look like your parents when, when I get to the 40. 40, right? <laughs> they were young, y'all. They were young. Hey, uh, this morning, uh, I wanted to uh, read to you out of the book of John chapter 8. Can I, I know you guys are in the middle of a storyteller's uh, series, and I love that. I love that. I love that. The good news is your story. Let me say that again. The good news is your story. The good news is not how much scripture you can memorize. The good news is not how well you can recite Pastor uh, Brandon's messages while they're really good. They're not better than your story. Let me say that again. I'm not, I love Pastor Brandon. He preaches fire. But it's only to invoke your story. It's only to stir or to poke. It is only to get the coal that is inside of you to burn, the embers to come alive on the inside of you so that your story comes alive. And guess what? The good news of your story, the good news is your story. That is the beautiful thing about the good news. And so you are just becoming a church that tells great stories, which really should be easy because you get to talk about yourselves. Come on, somebody say amen. I get to talk about myself, y'all. I love talking about myself. You ask me about my wife and kids, it is over. I hope you brought a blanket, a lunch, a dinner, and breakfast, because we're just going to talk all night, because I just don't deserve it. But God blessed me with it, so I'm going to talk about them as much as I can, and as much as they let me, until they go red in the face, and they get up and walk up out of here. That's the good news. It's your story. So you are storytellers, literally living in today's day and age. I love the hashtag story in progress. I think we're going to touch on that this morning. Can I get you to do me a favor? This is something new that I've been doing in my church. And it's not like biblical, I don't think. I've read a couple examples of this happening. Nehemiah's one, Jesus does this. Would you just stand with me as I read the Word of God this morning? I think it's interesting that we stand to, you know, sing the national anthem. We stand to do the Pledge of Allegiance, right? We stand when, like, a government official walks in. We stand when the bride walks down the aisle in a wedding. Wouldn't it be awesome if we started standing when we talk about the Word of God, when we, when we, when we speak Scripture and we read Scripture? You don't have to do that anywhere else. If Pastor Brandon wants you to do that when I leave, that's great. But you, just, this is just something we've been doing because I just am so touched by what these words mean that I think they deserve more honor than we give them. I think they do. And so I wanted to read this passage of Scripture with you this morning, uh, and then you can give somebody a high five and take a seat. In John chapter 8, verse 31 uh, verse, uh, through 36, it says this, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Believe in me, or, or better yet, have faith in me, is essentially what that's saying. If you would just believe in me, if you would have faith in me, you would be my disciples. Then it goes on to say, 
and you will know the truth. Can I just pause for just a moment and tell you the truth is simply that Jesus loves you. If you left with nothing else today, I just want you to walk away with the truth. You can handle the truth. I'm going to give you the whole truth and nothing but the truth because you can handle it. Jesus loves you. That's it. The truth is Jesus loves you. He loves you with a reckless kind of love. He loves you with a love that will tear down mountains, will knock through barriers. You ever seen Transporter, Jason Tatum, when he rings the doorbell, and all of a sudden the dude looks at the people, and he goes, boom, and he kicks the door in? That's the kind of love we're talking about. That's the truth, y'all. It says the truth, Jesus loves you. And the truth will set you free. The love of Jesus will set you free. Come on, somebody needs to hear that this morning. Jesus loves you so much that that love will result in your freedom. You'll be set free this morning. Come on, somebody needs to be set free this morning. I didn't come here to play around. I like to preach, y'all. So I hope you like to talk back. We can worship some cowboys in Dallas, can't we? We get excited about the Mavericks every once in a while, don't we? Dirk Nowinski, 41-21, right? One, I get it. I love him. I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. I got no hate for, for Dirk. We can cheer for the Dallas Stars right now. They're in the playoffs, aren't they? That's hockey, by the way. Texas Tech. We can cheer for some Texas Tech, y'all. They made it. Red Raiders. Is that right? So we can cheer. But can we cheer for the truth that sets us free? Come on, can we get excited about a truth that sets us free? But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. Don't you love it when the story's going so well and then a they said jumps in the way? Even in the scriptures, there's a they. Don't you love it when, like, somebody's coming up to you and say, you know, pastor, this family, they've been struggling, and I think they're going to lead a church. Who told you that, they? Who's they? Oh, you know they. They's got a name. Could you give me that? Oh, I don't want to betray their trust. What? Our responsibility is for them. I give my life for them. I go out of my way to make sure they're taken care of. I trusted them into your care. I gave you permission to lead them, to shepherd them, to look after them. And they said that they're struggling? Jesus addresses it. Sorry, I don't like the they's very much. I love them. I'm praying for them. But they just don't fit in the narrative. We have never been slaves to anyone, they said. What do you mean we'll be set free? Jesus replies and he says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. I know that sin word. It's a scary word. Sin just means miss the mark. Everyone who misses the mark. Everyone who just trips up every once in a while. Everyone who makes a mistake. Everyone who just stumbles on their own feet every once in a while. Anybody do that? Just me? That's all it is. Just sin. But it says anyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. A son is part of the family forever. Come on, this morning, you're being adopted as sons and daughters of the family. You're sons and daughters of this family. God's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. It wasn't that that church didn't meet your needs. It's that God needed you here to help meet the needs that he has for this community. You are sons and daughters being adopted into the house of God. And then it goes on to say, 
But a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. If the son sets you free, you are truly free. Somebody say, set free. Turn to your neighbor and say, set free. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm set free. And if you had a hard time saying that, turn to your other neighbor and say, today I'm getting set free. Come on, we can play around like we're set free, but really, if you're struggling saying those words, then I want you to believe that today you're going to be set free. I want you to walk out of here and have a story that I have been set free by the truth. The truth is that Jesus loves you, and Jesus' love will set you free from all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk about that this morning. Amen. Let me pray really quickly, and then we're going to get into this. Father, I just thank you that this morning we're going to encounter your grace. We're going to encounter the truth, and we're going to encounter a truth that will truly set us free. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. I pray that you would use me as your vessel. Father, I pray that you would get the glory, the honor, and the praise. And as we walk out of here today, we walk out of here with a story to tell, a testimony to tell, some good news to share. And Father, we don't hold back sharing it. We are boldly and confidently declaring the good things that are happening in and through our life in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, set free. Give somebody a high five. You take a seat. I, I, I thought it would be uh, helpful if, if there's any theologians in the building to just, just, just quickly, briefly uh, uh, dissect the word set free in the, in the Greek terminology. The Greek word for set free is to liberate. The Greek word for set free is to liberate. And, and it means this, it means rescuing you and I from the power and possession of an alien possessor. Anybody seen Captain Marvel? The Crees, come on, man! It was a good movie. I'm not. It wasn't the best one. It was good. It wasn't the be- it, it was just. It was it just. You know, it was okay. My, my son is a movie critic. Uh, he gave it an eight, right? Did you give it an eight? He gave it an eight. But you know, he's still discovering. His, you know, he's he just he loves action and he loves excitement and he loves Marvel. So he's a bit of. But but it was about an eight. But you see, in every superhero movie, there's always a possessor. There's always an alien possessor. There's always, there's always an enemy that's seeking to destroy or to attack or, or to take ground or to take territory. It, it's trying to conquer Earth. Why is it they always want to come to Earth? How come, when's somebody going to write a movie where we go to, like, Mars and take over Mars? Like, let's flip the script on them for just a second. Like, what? Everybody wants a piece of what we got. But the reality is, is there's always a possessor. In reality, that possessor is the enemy. In reality, that possessor is Satan. In today's day and age, he looks and smells and walks and talks in all different formats. But today, my friends, is Liberation Day. Today, we are going to experience a rescuing, a search and rescue mission like never before. And some people are going to walk out of here liberated. Some people are going to walk out of here set free of some things. Some people are going to walk out of here with this confidence and this boldness, this good news on the inside of them. They can't wait to share somebody on the street. We walk out. I didn't know y'all had a dress code to come to this church. Like, we, like we got to our room, and we had this gift basket, and there's these T-shirts. And I said, oh, man, thanks for the gift. He goes, yeah, you have to wear it to preach on Sunday. And then I walk in, y'all wearing the same exact shirt. That's kind of weird, bro. That could be... I'm, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll start gifting all my guest shoes. Oh, is that what it is? I'm not a cult. That's not a good. Have that, baby. I wanted to just fit in like everyone else. Hey, I wanted to tell you a story. Uh, it's about my son, London. He was about two or three years old. As Pastor Brandon told you, we moved to L.A. He was six months old. As he said, we do, you don't move to L.A. to start a family. 
Uh, you definitely don't. It has got to be God to call you to Los Angeles. And we're talking about like Los Angeles County in the heart of it to plant a church. So our son was six months old. Lincoln, Lincoln was born shortly after that. They're 16 months apart. They're not twins, just for the record. That's why I introduced them separate because they're not twins. I get it all the time. But London was about two or three years old. We were playing at the park. And, and, and you know, like when you have your first kid, you're kind of like overcautious, overprotective. You bubble wrap everything, right? You sanitize everything three times backwards and flip it inside out. You actually interview every person who walks past them at the jungle gym. Like, hey, have you taken a bath today? <laughs> you know, like before you get in the pool, you have to take a shower. Before you even walk past my kid, you got a spritz. Am I the only dad or is it? Come on, I need some. But, but moms, on the other hand, but this guy right here, two or three, just got, got this fearless mentality. And we're playing at the jungle gym, and, and I'm out there hanging out like every good dad does, and we're kind of running back and forth on the jungle gym. And then, you know, we get to the edge of this jungle gym where, obviously, I jump off, and so then he's like, oh, that's cool. And I turn around, and go, yeah, buddy, jump off. And so he runs, and he jumps off. You know, it's probably eight, ten feet high. And so he's jumping off. I'm catching him. It's kind of like the pool thing. You throw him up once. Again, daddy, again, daddy, again, daddy. So, you know, you get him back up there, and he does it again. Third time, he does it again. And you, when you know it, my phone rang. And I turn around for just a moment to check my phone because I was going to decline the call because my focus was on my kids. I'm a good dad. And would you believe it? In that moment, this kid out of nowhere decides, again, daddy. And he just goes barreling off while I got my phone in pocket. I couldn't put it back in my, my pocket fast enough. I drop it. And before I realized it, he just jumped off without a care in the world. Fortunately, it was sand. It was not concrete, y'all. He's still alive to tell about it. <laughs> but you know what struck me about that is that here's my son without a care in the world, with a complete freedom that he was just going to jump regardless. But here's the thing that really got me. He had the confidence that his father was going to be there to catch him. You see, I'm human just like y'all, and I wasn't there to catch him because I was distracted. But I want to encourage you this morning that if you just take a... Just take a leap of faith this morning. If you just jump off the top of the jungle, gym, can I just promise you that there'll be a father in heaven who will be there to catch you no matter what happens, no matter what distractions might come, no matter how many times a phone might ring. He will always be there to catch you. This morning, some of us just need to take a proverbial leap of faith and just trust that God is going to be there to catch us. He's going to be there to catch us. When was the last time you jumped like that? When was the last time, like my son, you just, just a caution of the wind, you just took a leap of faith and you just jumped off the top of the jungle gym, just knowing that somebody was going to be there to catch you. Or you just were living in such freedom. You were so liberated. It didn't even matter if he was there or he wasn't there. You were just like, I'm all in, baby. I'm jumping. I'm going to go for it. When was the last time you lived with that kind of freedom? If, if I asked you all this morning if you were free, if I asked you this morning, I already kind of did, stay set free, and some of you are like, so I'm set free, and then I, I'm not going to judge, I'm not going to point fingers, but I saw a couple of y'all kind of like struggle to say those words. That's okay. I want to talk about that in just a moment. But if I really asked you, most of you would just instantly go, yeah, I'm good, man, I'm free. I'm free as a bird. Isn't that a song like that? Free. Free falling. Because I'm free. Free falling. Who, who asked me to sing? Was that good enough? Uh, was, somebody asked me if I was going to sing this morning. That was about as good as it could get. You, you, you'd be tempted to say yes without giving much thought, but let me ask it to you in another way. And can I just, for the record, just before we get any further, tell you, I don't 
I don't play around. I'm not here to dance. I'm not here to get bushes out and just kind of do a kumbaya thing. I'm here to just really tackle the issue and let's just get down to business. Can we do that this morning? So I want to ask it to you another way. What if I asked you this way, do you battle or wrestle with fear? Do you, do you struggle with jealousy? Do you battle or wrestle hatred or bitterness? Are you ever angry or are you currently angry? Guilty. I struggle with anger. So I'm just going to put it out there. Do you battle or wrestle with temptation or lust? Do you struggle or are you operating with a lack of faith? Lack of faith, by the way, just means that you're deficient. doesn't mean you don't have any faith. It just means that you're deficient in your faith. Kind of like your vitamin D and C levels sometimes can be deficient. Your iron can be deficient. doesn't mean you just are completely dry of iron. So are you lacking faith? Or are you battling or wrestling discouragement? Do you, do you have bad habits in your lives which seem to have little or no control over at the present moment? Are there certain situations or conversations, maybe some people that you're avoiding because of an offense or disappointment that you can't overcome? If I asked it to you that way, could you not give it much thought and easily say, yeah, I'm free? I'm not here to call anyone out. I'm just here to help you because I, as I said to you before we even started, I want to see some people set free this morning. I want to see some people liberated from these things this morning. If, if you answered yes to one or more of those things, then, then the question begs, are you truly set free? And if you're not, it's okay. You're in the right place at the right time in the right season. And can I just also add that if, if, if you couldn't say yes to all of those things, or maybe you said yes to some of those things, could I just also say it's not your fault? It's not your fault. I know the world wants to tell you that it's your fault. I know that the, the pressures and, and the challenges that we face in society would indicate that it's my fault. I got myself into this message. It's my fault that I struggle with lust. It's my fault I struggle with bitterness. It's my fault that I'm angry. It's not. If I was just being honest with you, my oldest son struggles with anger because I struggle with it. So he just received it because I was angry all the time. And so then he would just pick up on that nuance. And now all of a sudden he responds in kind. He didn't do anything to deserve that. It wasn't his fault. He just picked up on something that I was putting down. So naturally, we receive things and we learn things that we don't necessarily realize that we're receiving or learning. And so I just want to some, sometimes just help people know that it's not your fault. I also want to say this as a pastor that I'm sorry. Because what I'm going to tell you next might shock a few people. Is that some of the reason why you're still not completely set free or that you're operating in a season of bondage is partly because the church treated you a certain way expected you to operate a certain way, rushed you through the process faster than you were really ready to walk through the process or faster than you were really ready to be released back into the wild. I'm going to use the word we, and when I say the word we, I'm going to identify we as the church for just a moment. We typically operate with this formula. You get saved. We scrub you over once, maybe twice, and it kind of looks a little bit like this whiteboard, right? I just put sin on there. It's easy for us to, to, rec to recognize. And you get saved, and we have this moment where we get you in, and we give you a book, and we tell you it's going to be okay, and we say a prayer, and we might follow up with you, and we, you know, we just start to see some of the stuff come off. And you're like, oh, man, it's going good. I'm getting cleaned. And it's funny because the more you wipe off, 
What you don't realize is that there's still an invention of the word imprinted on the whiteboard. And so what happens is we have this tendency of getting you saved and we scrub you once, maybe twice. We have this other cool little trick we use with like a magic eraser and we just kind of hope that that'll get it off. You know, like we'll scrub the wall really, really well unless your son uses a Sharpie pen and it doesn't work out so well. There's still an indention of what happened on the wall. And, and that's not a bad formula. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that's not our job as a church is to see you saved and help you overcome some of the things that you've endured. But what we fail to realize is that, that, that you just all of a sudden automatically with a snap of a finger aren't going to go from lost to found and be completely clean of all of the pain and of all of the hurt and of all of the calluses and all of the discomfort and all the discouragement that you've endured your entire life. It's a process. It's a process. Let me tell it to you another way. Let me explain it this way. You and I, before salvation, made a career out of being sinners. I was a career sinner. I was good at it. I was a professional. Paul says that I was the worst of these sinners. We could all stake claim any wrestling fans, WrestleManias tonight, no wrestling fans, just my kids, great. Wait till your kids get to 12 and 11, you'll become wrestling fans. But you, you could all put your name in the hat for the champion of sinner. Because we, we became career professionals at it. I spent 18 years of my life professionalizing sin. From 11 to 18, I got addicted to drugs at the age of 11 years old. I was addicted. I first smoked my first joint at the age of 11. I know I'm pretty passionate about my life because I didn't have people like this around me to help encourage me to make sure that I didn't make some of those same mistakes. And so I spent 11 to 18 high every day of my life. I didn't know different. And so what that helped me realize as I became a pastor, as I went through the process of being set free, is that it is a process. It's not a project. The problem with the church is that we too often treat people like they're a project. We treat them like they're just a number. We treat them like we just need to get them washed up and clean so we can send them back out in the world. Don't get me wrong, we're going to go out today as a team and as a family, but we're going to go out as a family, not as projects. And we're going to be a family that are going to just share our stories, and we're just going to say hello to people, and we're going to hug people, and we're going to embrace people. Why? Because we have to understand and recognize that freedom is a process. It's not a project. You are not a project. You are in process. You are a story in process. And what I want us to do differently going forward as a church is I want us to stop looking at people as just a number or as just another project or just another notch in my proverbial religious belt. I want to look at people as, the, as God looks at them. I want to look at them through the lens and the eyes that Jesus looks at them. He looks at them as a son and as a daughter. He looks at him as an adopted son and daughter. He looks at him, he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and who will please? Jesus hasn't done a single thing yet, and Jesus is already pleased with him. You've made every mistake you could ever imagine. You've tripped over every cord. You've made every blunder ever imaginable, ever imagined. But guess what? The truth is he still loves you. The truth is he still loves you. The reason I think it's so important for us to recognize that freedom is a process it's because the Bible tells us that His mercies are new every day. His mercies are new every day. If, if, if we were just supposed to be perfect after salvation, then it wouldn't say His mercies are new every day. 
It wouldn't say that in my weakness, he is made strong. It wouldn't say when I am weak, he is strong. It wouldn't say that I fall short of the glory of God. It wouldn't say that, that I'm just human and I'm, otherwise I'd be a superhero. And I'm not. I'm just, just a husband. I'm just a father. I'm just a son. He makes mistakes. He's lived in some challenging times and have made some bad decisions. But I've recognized that if we would just approach this freedom conversation as though it was a process and not a project, we would actually might see some more people liberated. We might actually see some more people set free. We actually might see some more people be willing to share their stories and continue the process of development. Anybody ever gone to the gym? How many of you made that New Year's resolution, going to the gym by January? Questionable. It's okay. I've been there too. But here's what I can tell you about the gym. Here's what I can tell you about your fitness. Is that with every season of growth requires a new level of commitment. And your freedom with every season of growth requires a new level of commitment, not to the project, but to the process. Because what you're going to discover is that God's going to show you some things and reveal some things. And he's going to help you identify some things in your life. And you're going to have an opportunity to either give up and fall back or commit to the process and continue pressing forward and continue to stretching and continue to growing and continue to sharing and continue to discovering. Because here's what happens. As you begin to develop this process of freedom, what God will begin to reveal to you and show to you is that life of sin that you've developed and you profess start to just dissipate and wash away and no longer have control over you, no longer be held back by the bondage or by the pain or by the addiction or the hurt or the discomfort that you've endured or experienced. Your life is a story. In every season of God discovering and showing you an opportunity to be set free is just another chapter of that story being written. And with every turn of the page is a new opportunity for you to discover something new and something fresh. There's this great passage of scripture in Luke chapter 6 verse 41. It says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? It is my belief that the log is a result of a speck. What happens is somewhere along the way you got offended by something, or maybe, you know, your wife, you know, got upset with you because you left the toilet seat up, or maybe you got upset with her because her hair was all over the bathroom, and you keep saying, hey, you know, you like your hair, is there a way to fix that? Is that an ongoing problem? And she says, could you fix the pee around the toilet seat? Is that an ongoing problem? And you know, like you think that's fun and it's cute and it's all giggles and all smiles, but what happens is that you actually don't come face to face with some of those real early day marital things. And you don't talk about them, and instead of talking about them, you just let them take root and you go, oh, she didn't mean that. Oh, he didn't mean that. Or you know, you're talking to your pastors and they're just going from zero to 60 because they're trying to get through church and get outside of the streets and they didn't stop and give you 10 minutes of undivided attention and, and you just took offense to it and you let that speck, that root, get anchored into your heart, and as a result, you, it wasn't a big deal in the moment, but then the next week, you know, your dinner party leader kind of doesn't brush you off, but doesn't give you the undivided, man, did they really see me? Did they notice me? Meanwhile, they were in the kitchen trying to cook you a meal and create a place for you at the table, and you got offended because they didn't stop making you a meal that you've been praying for friends and a community aside from God, and you finally have it, but now you want to find every reason to be upset about it, and so you've just let these specks and these specks and these specks just take root in your heart, and as a result, they developed into this log which is put you in a place where you can no longer honestly say, I'm free. 
But if you would just stop and say, God, I want to be free. I want to be liberated. Here's what you can do. You can pray. You can pray. God, examine my heart. David did so beautifully and so often in the Psalms. Examine my heart. Help me to see where it is that I am feeling insecure or inadequate. Help me to see the, where the pain exists. Help the calluses of my heart to start to break away and to erode. Help the pain that I've endured. Help my log begin to just dissipate. Help it just to start to disappear and vanish from my life so that I'm no longer pointing out the speck in other people's eyes, but I'm actually recognizing that they're going through a process as well, and I could come alongside of them and help them uproot that speck and help them dis overcome their hurt and help them walk through freedom because see freedom is a process and we can't rush anybody through the freedom process because we've never walked a day in their shoes so instead of trying to assume we know what it's like to walk in their shoes how about we just walk alongside of them with our arm around them encouraging them along the way and championing them not leaving them where we found them but carrying them to the cross where only that place can bring healing and restoration can bring freedom it can bring a story I know I'm supposed to close. I'm going to close with this. I wanted to just encourage a couple people. Because I think there's a couple different people in the room that this story really relates to. The first are, are the people that would call themselves followers of Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the church treated you the way that we've treated you for so long. They didn't give you room to truly heal. They expected you to just walk out of here after you said yes to Jesus, just hopping and a skipping and a jumping. Well, that's part of it. There is a great joy that comes with, with salvation. Don't get me wrong. There is a process that comes with it as well. And like anything, you all know it. You went on a honeymoon. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Then you got home and reality set in. It wasn't so beautiful and so amazing anymore because now you can't leave this person. You get in a fight. You can't send them home or you can't go home. You've got to stay in the same home. Lock the doors. We're going we're gonna to fight this out. Right? And so you've got to recognize it's a process. And so for far too long, the church hasn't given you room to process. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you to take a moment just here this morning to process. Am I truly set free? Is there something in my life I need to be set free from? But I also just encourage you that this is a house where you can take time to process. This is a house where you can take time to process. But then in doing that, also recognize that it's okay for you to come along somebody else and let them process as well. Let's quit judging. Let's quit rushing. Let's quit expecting. I promise you we would make a greater difference. And we would go farther and we would reach more people if we would just operate with this idea that life is a process. Our story is a process. Every day is an opportunity to write new, new pages and new words on the pages of our life and see God do incredible things in and through our life. And as a result, he would get the glory. He would get the honor. The second group of people are people who are operating in a place of leadership right now. This is the group that I often love to talk to, not because I don't love everybody. I love everybody, but this is where it's, where, where it's hardest. Because typically what happens is if you're in a place of leadership or influence and you raise your hand and say, I, I need to be set free of something, you're afraid of losing your position. You're afraid that they're going to remove you from your place of influence. Or you're afraid that they're going to discredit you or they're going to devalue you or think less of you or that you're not ready or you're not worthy. That, can I just, just dispel that myth right now? 
man doesn't call you, God calls you. And if we are following God, if we are following the plan of God, of God for our lives, then our responsibility is to steward you, is to shepherd you, and to help you overcome every obstacle, every fear, every pain. And I know your pastor, if you're in leadership and you're struggling in an area in your life, you need to be set free and you can come to them and share that with them. I promise you, they're not going to remove you. They're going to walk you through it. They're going to protect you. They might, they might just ask you to take a step back, not because they want to remove you, but they want to protect you and they want to allow you to heal and restore and rebuild. A couple, about a year ago, I sat in a recovery meeting. We, we, we hold some recovery meetings in our church. And I, I told you I was, a, I was a drug addict. But I never said the words, hi, my name is Aaron. I'm, a, I'm an addict. And I'm sitting in this meeting where I'm opening up our church facility and, and connecting with this community, and they invite me to speak. And I just felt this emotion come over me as they go around the room, and there's about 15 people in the room, and they're all going around introducing themselves. Hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm a recovering addict. Hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm an addict. Hey, so-and-so. And it comes to me, and I have this moment come over me where I'm like, I'm the pastor of this church. I'm not supposed to be in this room like they're in this room. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, but you are. Because this is where I place you. Because this is your story. Because I'm writing something fresh and something new for this day and for this season. And if you can't say, how in the world do you expect anybody else to walk with confidence into this building, my house, and be able to declare that they're set free from something that I have seen you set free from. So I sat there, puffed my chest up, not because I was prideful, because I was full of authority from heaven. I said, hey, my name is Aaron, and I'm a recovering addict. And in that room, where they all knew who I was, you would have just, like many of you, your jaws, him? That guy? He's an addict? Yes! Because sin doesn't have targets. doesn't have a shape and a model and a kind. Sin comes after everybody. Hurt comes after everybody. It's on a mission prowling around like a lion, and it's looking for opportunities to draw you back and pull you out of the light so that it can get you in the dark and do what? Attack you and keep you separated from the promises of God and keep you from writing the story that God is trying to write on your heart. I can tell you this morning that some people here need to be set free of something, and the enemy is at war right now on your behalf. He's filling you with thoughts, saying you don't deserve this message. You don't deserve to be set free. You don't deserve to be liberated. But I want to tell you the truth says you do. Truth is, is that Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for you. There's a third group of people here I want to just talk to as I close. There are some people here that are being held captive to our past. That have never experienced Jesus before in our life. And for, for, by some amazing move of God, you're here this morning. You may have been sitting in here for weeks. Oh man, something about this place is awesome and special. Some of us need to be set free from our past completely and accept an invitation to meet what I believe to be the best friend in the world. Like BFF for life. He'll never forsake me. He'll never leave me. When I decide to jump off the top of a mountain, he'll be there to catch me. He won't be like my dad who wasn't there. Well, that will be my son's message in a couple of years when he gets up here to preach. He won't be like my dad who just decided to take his phone out of his pocket and look at it for a second. I jumped off and broke my neck. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you because he loves you that much. He's got a plan for you and a purpose for you. And this morning, you're not here by accident. And so as we get ready to close, I just, I just want you to 
just ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes. And before I go any further, if that's you this morning, and, and you're that third group, you're, you've never said yes to Jesus. You've been running, you've been hiding, you've been bobbing, you've been weaving. Something this morning has just triggered something on the side of you, and you're, you want to be free. And it's almost as if you're saying, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be joyful. I don't deserve to be excited. I don't deserve to, to enjoy life. Can I, just, can I just stop you right there and say, yes, you do. God loves you. He wants you to live a rich and satisfying life, a, an abundant life, a joyful life. And today is the first step of discovering and walking the journey and the process of truly being set free. So if that's you this morning.